you little freak. Thank you. Where's Colorado? What's in Colorado? I heard there's a safe place for kids like me. If you go out there alone, they'll have your head by morning. I'm not alone. I got you. Oh, my God. I don't know what's happening, but I'm in love already. Welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, I'm Brian Brushwood. But most importantly, uh, did that look a little bit like the plot of Logan to you? And if so, I sign me up. I'm in. There's a uh, there's a dude with with with. with I think I think the people at DC Comics would have a couple of things to say about that statement. Well, I mean, it's it's a classic plot of somebody who. I mean, it's also the plot of The Last of Us and a billion other things. But what what did we just see, Bryce? So that was a trailer for the upcoming. Netflix series. It was going to be a Hulu series, a Netflix series, Sweet Tooth, coming June 4th. It is based off of a DC Comics series about a, a seemingly orphaned child uh, who grows up in a world where humans uh, just one day give birth to animal-human hybrids. Uh, and so this dear fella teams up with a gruff wanderer to get to a home for hybrids in Colorado while human purists are on the hunt. That is June 4th on Netflix called Sweet Tooth. I'm so fascinated by this world because not not for where it ends up, because obviously it ends up in a place where everybody understands for whatever reason, babies are coming out half human, half other animal. But like those early days... How awkward must that <laughs> that be? <laughs> they show they show some CG of hybrid babies <laughs> early on in the trailer. If you want to see, uh, they go Oops. for it. Yeah, you see a little baby with a yeah. pig snout. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 oh, hey. that gets him. Okay. Uh, uh, hey, uh, you know who's been to Colorado? Oh, thank Our goodness. Guest, I was trying Tam to find a segue. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Tam, so how that are you? Like the, good. That looked like the jackalope story. Yeah, yes. Uh, I, I, it's funny. The longer we talked, the harder I found the segue. And then uh, Tom saved the day. Thank you very much, Tom. <laughs> well, because I, no, I, uh, I know that Hammond's been to Colorado. So, yeah. Uh, Hammond Chamberlain, uh, uh, editor extraordinaire, host of Beyond the Playlist with Brian Ibbett. Uh, so many other things. It's great to have you back, my friend. I am so excited to be back. Uh, I actually kind of leveraged my way back on, but I am thrilled to be here nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you haven't already started listening to America's Next Top Podcaster, go subscribe. And by the end of this season, you'll know why Hammond's here today. It's <laughs> 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 a little, little tease ahead. Uh, shall we begin with our primary target, gentlemen? We shall. And our primary target today is Bryce's back. Yay! <laughs> oh, we can't be... Is it? No, it can't oh. be. Uh, a, B, and C. Uh, that's the that's the company. All Bryce and Castillo company merges with Cord Man, Killers. I'm just, I'm just, thank you to John for filling in. Thank it was you, wonderful to spend time with John. Uh, but we're also super excited to have Bryce back. So I hope you had a great vacation, man. Thank you. I did. Um, but I was very surprised. I was happily surprised that they announced this before Cord Killers happened this week. Yeah, not or normally it's after. right afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our, our actual news here uh, is something they would normally announce like, oh, I don't know, about now while we're recording the show and could do nothing about it. Uh, the shakeout has begun. 
Uh, as we expected, the streaming market will only hold so many competitors, and one of the biggest signs of consolidation broke Monday morning, so we could talk about it. AT&T and Discovery have reached an agreement to combine their media divisions into a joint venture that will be 71% owned by AT&T stockholders and 29% owned by Discovery stockholders, but will be an independent company. They have not named the new business, but the CEO will be Discovery's current CEO, David Zaslov. For now, they're saying Warner Media CEO Jason Killar remains CEO of Warner Media, uh, but it's probably going to change. Uh, Zaslov, quote, uh, a quote, AT&T CEO, has a lot of decisions to make on personnel, and the New York Times sources say that Kalar is assembling a legal team to negotiate his departure. He's only been there a year. Zaslov says strong relationships with the creative community will be a top priority as well. That's something that has been strained under Kalar with the decision to put uh, movies day and date on HBO Max. So Kalar's probably out. Uh, Zaslav's going to run Warner Media slash Discovery, whatever they end up calling it. And the new company will be a combination of <coughs> Warner Media's movie studio, television studios, and networks. So Turner, HBO, TBS, CNN, all of that stuff, along with Discovery's networks, including the Scripps networks like Food uh hgtv and then you know good old-fashioned discovery discovery science all of the discovery networks uh because don't forget discovery acquired scripts back in 2018 discovery brings in a lot of unscripted content of course but also international distribution uh discovery has very good international distribution and international sports rights you don't think of discovery in the united states as being sports oriented but they have a lot of sports worldwide zaslov says the combined entity will combine to spend 20 billion dollars a year on content uh netflix i think is scheduled to spend 17 billion this year so sports is a little different when you throw that in netflix doesn't have sports but still the the point is they're going to spend a lot on content the new service will likely launch bundles uh at least of discovery plus and hbo max uh, if not other new services. And whatever they do, Zaslav said in a conference call about this, in terms of bundling, we're going to do it differently. So very curious to see what that means. One of the principal motivations behind the move is to reduce debt for AT&T. AT&T is going to get $43 billion in cash out of this deal. Warner Media will retain some of its own debt, taking it off AT&T's balance books. And AT&T believes the transaction will help it reach its debt reduction goal a year earlier. Also, we're going to talk a lot about what this will mean, but forget about it in your daily life until mid-next year. This deal is not expected to close until mid-2022. So don't come away from Cord Killers today thinking, well, Warner Media and Discovery are together because they won't be for quite a while. It's going to take a while to wrap up this. It's a complex negotiation. Uh, but Brian, uh, it, it looks like we'll have a fresh infusion of content into... If not HBO Max, maybe it may be a new third streaming service and they can do a triple play like Disney's doing. Well, I, I think it's a bit early to make that call, but but <clears throat> it seems to me like you've got two different sides that are about to get married and they're certainly not going to start uh, or not going to stop doing the thing that they do in between now and, and, you know, a year from now. So in the meantime, I would assume that Discovery Plus continues to develop its brand and identity so that eventually a year from now it can fold into some version of HBO Max or 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 double fingers crossed maybe they come up with a better name uh and and then for whatever it is but um as somebody who has hated everything that they've done with the HBO brand with HBO Max um 
I understand the business play of what they're doing. And I think it's a smart business play. I am fascinated with the story that they're going to tell and whether or not they're going to collapse everything into one space, whether it'll be under the HBO name, whether it'll be, whether they'll maintain the discovery plus brand, but either way, it seems like they should continue to double down on building up that brand. And then eventually, I don't know, maybe, maybe one year from now, come up with a new name or something. Hammond, do you have a, a strong read on this either way? I I don't, but I do think they're going to keep the, the, they might be separate rooms in the same building. And I do think they're going to keep the separate rooms because they're just completely different identities. And the, the content that fits on discovery plus isn't easily shoehorned into HBO max. So, I mean, you're not going to see street outlaws, the movie on or any street outlaws on 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 hbo max so you got to keep those two rooms separate but i can see them you know cross-pollinating pretty easily and i i assume tom that when we say discovery we're talking about the company that owns not only discovery as they say in hollywood uh, discovery mothership but also all of the subsequent brands all of, you know, whatever stake in group nine productions that that bought or was part of discovery digital and all, all of that stuff i i assume all of that yeah, is just it, it discovery. does seem like I, I I haven't read anything about the 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 corners of the company. It's only been about the networks, but uh, it does appear that most all of Discovery is going into this joint venture, and only Warner Media is going into it from AT and T. Uh, but yeah, I would I would assume you're going to see studios and and things like that uh, merging together with with Warner Media Studios uh, under some. It's going to be named Warner something. It's you, you don't, be, right? you don't retire the Warner name. Yeah, uh, it, well, and, and uh, it, it could be Warner Discovery or something like that. I, I but but it's going to include the Warner name. The here's what I would do with the streaming, if it were me. I would create a new product that is a mainstream kind of gen general purpose peacock like thing uh, that has all, you know, friends and all the back catalog of all the all the historical Warner stuff uh, and and maybe older HBO stuff is in there, too. The kind of stuff that they give to Amazon Prime right now, uh, you, you have a, a really palatable series uh, uh, offering like that. And all the Max originals go into that. Then instead of bundling, you do add-ons. So you can add on uh, scripted stuff. Maybe you don't even make it all of Discovery Plus. Maybe it's add on a food package for a buck, add on a DIY package for a buck, add on an HBO package for eight bucks because it's HBO. Uh, but you know, pr forget the pricing aside, I think they try to do it when he says we're going to do it differently. I wonder if they do a streaming service that is mimicking the old cable bundles where you based it around the type of content. This is probably a jaded pitch because I'm doing a mock version of somebody who just thinks they have a good idea by, by trying to Frankenstein together all the pieces of everything that's worked. And I hate this pitch, even as I say, say it, which is why I'm convinced it will be correct. What you do is you offer a free service called Warner Core, and it is some Frankenstein of a bunch of stuff that has both a live stream Pluto style version, or for $4.99, you could get it with ads on demand. For $9.99, you could get it without ads on demand. And after that, you add pieces 
at uh, I don't think a dollar each. I, th- I think it's going to be four ninety nine each for your. Yeah, forget the price. You're, right. You're probably right about the price. It could be right, anywhere. right, right. But 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 somehow you magically end up spending about sixty dollars a month, and it's all over the top, and everybody feels like they've come up with the ultimate service. Uh, if they're smart, they do it as a total rebrand with the word Warner at the core of it. If they're not smart, they continue with the HBO Max thing. I I think there's somewhere between our two ideas is probably what they're going to do. Because the other thing I didn't throw in there was sports. Uh, they have been very cagey about sports on HBO Max. Even though they signed this deal to get the NHL in 2022, uh, they said, well, you know, I don't know if we'll see NHL on HBO Max in 20. We'll see about it. We're definitely going to do live streaming sports. Now that they've got Discovery and... Brazilian sports getting signed up and and German sports and all of this. I think they're going to do an independent sports service like ESPN Plus uh, that you can either sign up and and maybe that's the the deal here is you can sign up for any of these add-ons independently or you can add them to Warner Core or whatever that new uh, base plan is. Uh, but I think you're going to see sports as its own offering because they're going to have a lot of it. Uh, and also, I, uh, Bryce rightly uh, in the chat is giving us a little sass, saying that love brand Warner. Uh, you're I not, love all of my favorite Warner properties. You're not wrong, but 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 what's great about Warner? Because that's the thing that worked with HBO Max. It's like yes, it's not super kosher the way you would have liked it branding wise, but it also worked really well. Correct, and that was mainly because they performed. They vastly overperformed what I expected in terms of of, of the back catalog. But Warner are two syllables uh, that are easy to say that pretty much, uh, if I ask you to name a Warner thing, what are you going to name the Matrix? You're going to name something from the 1920s, I think. Um, you know, Bugs Bunny or something. Like, I mean, like, Harry, like Harry Potter. I guess any right, in general, Warner Brothers thing. Good, good stuff, right? Like, like, like you you have no negative associations with Warner, right? I just don't think of Warner. Like Warner is correct. like and, and, all and, of the and, other students. No, no one thinks about a Sony movie. That's correct. They think about Spider Man or whatever the actual film is. Right, and 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 I. But CBS uh, decided to name it Paramount Plus. And I don't Which, think it was and, a good and idea. Paramount, oh, uh, I don't know. I don't. Uh, okay. I, mean, I, I, I think at the <laughs> beginning of Indiana Jones movies, I don't know. I think, mm. yeah. I think about the beginning of Coming to America. That's about it. Anytime they figure out an excuse to have the mountain turn out to be real. And of course, NBC of. Universal <laughs> named theirs Peacock. Uh, no, which to be honest, I'm still behind. As a matter of fact, my daughter just signed up for Peacock. As a matter of fact, it was really great. My, my daughter starts uh, haranguing me in the middle of a live stream saying, how do I watch the office? Where can I watch the office? And I'm like, pretty (laughs) sure Peacock is the only place. Uh, and, and she's like, she's like, uh, 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 ah, we we don't have an account. I'm like, just make an account. It's free. Don't worry about it. And, uh, and she did. And she got through the first two seasons, Mm -hmm. uh, that were were available on the free service. And then finally we, uh, uh, spoiler alert, we're now subscribers of Peacock. Good. Uh, that pays my wife, which then pays my health insurance. So also, yeah, scam school was a product of discovery networks. There we go. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. Hammond, what do you think? What would you like? Would you you would you keep the HBO name? Would you spin HBO into an add-on? No, would you I, name I it something else? What I, do you want from? Them? I I think you do something else. I I don't know if Warner Core is where I want to go because that sounds like some sort of workout program. I name Warner. Uh, yeah, so you're thinking think of abs that, already on a guy <laughs> named Warner. <laughs> so I think though that there should there is some sort of umbrella that you do and then you walk in and you a la carte 
lunchroom style load your tray with the shows you want or the type of shows you want. So whether it be HBO documentaries and a smidgen of the House Hunters, you know, channel or or, you know, soccer, Brazilian soccer stuff. I mean, you can a la carte. And I think Tom's right, though, that by the time you're done with the things you cover, all the bases you want, you're looking between 50 and 60 bucks and everyone feels like they're happy. That was Brian. And, Brian. Brian said that, not me, because I actually oh. don't think it'll be that much. But <laughs> I, I think I think Brian's closer. I think it's going to be closer to that because they're going to try to be the one stop shop for all your entertainment needs. And we've had a few of those. And they all t- turn out to be a little bit up price. But this won't be YouTube TV or Sling TV. This will this will be a, a a half step between those. This will be something that is is different than that. And I think they're going to have to keep the price lower because of that. Uh, where my head was going is. HBO will no longer be part. One of the problems in their pricing was, well, if we include HBO, we have to make it at least 15 bucks because that's what HBO costs on its own. So they they were able to sell it as a 15 buck a month service, but they're kind of locked into that and they can't go lower except with the ad version that's coming up later this summer. What I'm guessing is if they were to go in this model of add-ons, they could do a jujitsu move where they say, well, the base version is $7. And then you can add HBO for $8. Then you get $15. And the reason they'll be able to justify that is some of the back catalog of HBO would be available in the base model, but the new stuff would only be available when you pay the extra eight, which when you pay the extra eight makes it 15. Uh, And then the other add on pricing would just be based on whatever the market would bear. So you're going to make me pay for my head of the class reruns? Yes, we'll make you pay for whatever we can make you pay for. That's how this I mean, if you'll game pay for works, them, sure. for crying I, out loud. Yeah. I, head of the class wasn't on HBO, right? I'll tell you one thing we won't no, make you pay HBO for. Max. I just finished watching all of them on HBO Max. It's on HBO Max. It's not on HBO. Uh, one That's thing we true. won't make you pay for, but we would really like it if you did, is head on over to patreon.com slash cordkillers. That's how you keep us loud, live, and independent every single week. Just one buck an episode. It makes all the difference in the world to us. You will never notice the difference. I pinky promise, man. Uh, in the meantime, you'll get your own RSS feed. You'll get our exclusive after talk segment. You'll get everything back to back to back to back to back. You get to spend like two and a half hours with us every single week. We love all of our patrons. Head on over to Patreon com slash cord killers. You know, you're right that they won't notice the difference the way you said it, but they will notice one difference at the end of the show. They'll have a, a little glow of self-satisfaction that they helped make this possible. Oh yeah. You'll definitely notice how smug you feel. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy it. Let's talk about how to watch. During the Disney earnings call, Disney reported that its streaming service Disney Plus added 8.7 million subscribers in Q1, reaching 103.6 million subscribers worldwide, which is fine. It's good, but it fell short of expectations. Uh, they were Disney itself was hoping to add more than that. Uh, they were supposed to get 109.3. They got 103.6. Still, they're on the rise. By comparison, Netflix has around 208 million subscribers worldwide. 
uh, only added four million in Q1. So Disney's still growing faster than Netflix, which because it's smaller and younger probably makes sense. Uh, side note: Newsweek estimates Apple TV Plus has about forty million uh, and subscribed six million new subscribers last year. Uh, they're even younger and even smaller. Uh, Disney raised the price of its package one dollar a month to seven ninety nine a month on March twenty sixth in the U.S. That probably dragged. Some new subscribers a little bit. Disney CEO Bob Chapek said that Disney Plus is still on track to reach the goal of 230 million to 260 million subscribers by the end of 2024. So they're not worried. Disney's other two streaming services did well on their own. Hulu subscribers increased 30% to 41.6 million overall. And ESPN Plus customers increased 75% year over year to 13.8 million. Disney is also making more deals that include rights to stream content to ESPN plus I've often wondered what they do with ESPN plus in relation to ESPN. And I think the answer is they will slowly add more and more content to ESPN plus that you don't have to have a cable subscription to get. And this is how they do it. Disney just signed new deals with major league baseball and La Liga soccer that include the ability to put things on ESPN plus and broadcast them at the same time. JPEG also announced that Disney movies will have a theater exclusive of 45 days for Free Guy and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, JPEG said flexibility is a key component of our distribution strategy. So we really didn't know what the Disney window was going to be. We still don't know for sure what the details are, but it looks like 45 days will be the blockbuster window. Uh, okay, look, uh, let's address the elephant in the room. The question everybody is wondering is Dumbo. How right was Brian? Uh, I, mm. I think I've been pretty careful about not making a hard prediction about Disney Plus overtaking Netflix. Uh, I, I believe, I hope, fingers crossed, somebody correct me, cordkillers at gmail.com, that I've been pretty soft in saying it's just generally hard for for Pepsi to overtake Coke. And, and while that did happen in the actual Pepsi-Coke wars, it's very rare and, and usually not a permanent thing. So the fact that we're seeing a slowdown, the fact that we saw the energy coming in might have been an artifact of, of the pandemic, might have been a fact of the, the, the trailblazing that uh, Netflix has done and finally Disney Plus is able to cash in on, might have been a fact of, of, of all of the day-and-date uh, -date releases, the early movements that they made on this. But it seems like all of that is slowing down. Do, do, do you still, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not saying they can't overtake Netflix, but I'm just going to say, Still seems really hard to overtake number one with an established brand. Hammond, do you do you feel like uh, if you're going to place a bet sometime in the next year, two years, do you see Disney Plus overtaking Netflix? I don't think they overtake them, but I do think they get close enough that Netflix has to change something. They have to do something different to keep up. I think that Disney has just enough of uh, new IPs and old catalog and nostalgia to make people keep coming. And I think just a matter of time before they're on Netflix's heels and Netflix needs to do something to change something up to make them even more appealing because Disney is going to get close, if not on top of them. 
My understanding of Netflix is they always assume everyone is on their heels and they're always trying to be a couple of steps ahead of the game. Uh, and they've been that with originals for streaming, figuring out that they needed to have a catalog of their own originals as they lost catalog stuff. They figured that out with going international before anybody else was thinking about international. Uh, and, and they're thinking about it in a lot of ways right now. What Disney wants to do, which is 230 to 260 million by 2024, and you look at Netflix right now at 20, uh, 208 million, it would be hard for me to imagine that would feel successful if they weren't past 230 to 260 million by 2024 themselves. So I don't think Disney even thinks they can catch Netflix. They just want to be in the ballpark with them instead of having literally half the subscribers. And, and we're only just now starting to see the fruits of early moves that Netflix made uh, with the purchase of Miller World and all of the back catalog of that. You know, we're re reviewing Jupiter's legacy right now. Um, I have to imagine, yes, Tom, I'm with you. Like right now, none of us see what Netflix is doing in the background, but, but I have to imagine they're acutely aware that they have to keep coming out with those originals. And that was a move that they figured out 10 years ago. I think the way I think of it uh, is you need originals to get new subscribers. You need keep current subscribers. And originals help keep current subscribers a little bit too. You, you can't have enough originals to constantly keep your current subscribers happy. Uh, even if spending $17 billion uh, a year, it's, it's just, people's tastes are so varied. But if you have some catalog stuff that people go, oh, well, maybe I'll watch that, uh, which is what The Office was for Netflix for a while. It's what Friends was for Netflix for a while. It's what Seinfeld is supposed to be now. Uh, there's plenty of other examples of that. Then I think Netflix does have a good formula down for that churn. And the international investments are going to keep that going because you will now have more varied international things. And as people discover them, they'll want to go in and see, well, what other Spanish television besides Money Heist is there? What other Korean television besides Vincenzo is there? Not just based on, well, here's what the broadcast networks were showing in the 90s. It's working on multiple fronts. And I think that's where Netflix is staying a step ahead. It's for Disney. They have a very robust international fictional uh, catalog to draw from mostly based on hot star in India, but a bunch of places as well. All right, let's talk about what to watch in under surveillance. During a panel at Moffat Nathanson Media and Communications Summit, Cinemark CEO Mark Zarati said the theatrical run of Army of the Dead took place after doing some tests with Netflix in select markets of movies, including Christmas Chronicles 2. Yes, the idea of putting Christmas Chronicles 2 in a theater, even though it was also available on Netflix during a pandemic, was successful. Uh, it was successful enough that Cinemark wanted more and believes there will be more in the future. They're going to use Army of the Dead as a way to collect data to try to optimize this, but... Uh, Referring to Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, Zarati said, quote, if that were today, we would find a way to come to an agreement. And, Dude. Uh, back when The Irishman was out, Cinemark and AMC were like, no way, we wouldn't touch it. Genie can't go back in the bottle, man. That 90-day window is dead. Yeah, it's just now it's a variable window. 
It's a per studio window. And I, I don't even know. I've been thinking like, oh, they'll probably coalesce around 30 or 45 days or something like that. But when they're talking about, you know, one week window for Army of the Dead, it's going to stay in theaters even after it premieres on Netflix. Um, that window just might be different every time, depending on what the movie is and who it's with. And how successful it is and how much the word of mouth is. Like, for example, I think there's some theaters still showing nobody like it's been three whole weeks since I saw that movie. And I kind of want to go to a movie theater and see it in a movie theater. Yeah. Movie theaters are going to be about, I want to see a movie in a theater, not I have to see a movie because it's only available in the theater. I also think that the movie theater experience will continue to be probably that rent a theater for your friends and family experience too. So maybe you can sit around and actually quote clue as you watch a movie or watch the new movie and, and have your own little experience with your friends and family. Cause that's what we've been doing. Every time there's an excuse, we rent a theater and watch the new movie that came out. Yeah. I think we're going to see uh, just, just more of that kind of experimentation and, and offering where theaters can't just sit back and go, eh, we got 90 days, which ones do we want? Like they're, they're, they're going to have to have a little bit of more of a modern complex way of, of booking things and, and, and making movie, make, making money. Uh, speaking of HBO max, the friends reunion special has a date. Uh, it was knocked out by the pandemic last year, but it will arrive on HBO max May 27th, one year after the launch of HBO max featuring the original cast of friends sitting on the original soundstage where the show was shot, reminiscing about the original things that happened there. A bunch of big name guest stars. Uh, if you're into friends, you're going to watch it. I, 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 yes, you'll watch it, but will you feel better about friends for having watched it? That's the part I really don't know. Do you like friends though? I mean, I do, but, but it's like, uh, I, I, any reminiscing, it's just like, you just sit there and you're like, oh, that moment is past. It's over. I think what a lot of people get out of this is I want to see them all together again. I want to see the chemistry between those. I want to see them talk to each other. Uh, I, f- I feel like the celebrity stuff just makes a nice press release, but that's just filler when you're like, yeah, but give me back to the original cast because I want to see what they're like today hanging out. I just want I, it's not to me so much about remembering as about seeing them all together in the same room, talking to each other about stuff. Yeah. But, but I feel like we already went through this with that real world first season reunion. And I, I watched a little bit of that and I I got exactly what Tom was talking about. They're all in the same room together and they're talking about moments that were already passed. And I'm, if I'm interested. Well, I think you two are just not the audience for this, but there is an audience (laughs) for it. There are, there are definitely people who enjoy like, Oh, I want to see them all together. Oh no, no, no. Like, like if you told me this was about uh, the cast of star Trek, the next generation, and they're all gathered together, just hanging out or whatever. I, I don't know. I would, Yes, you are correct. I would be very excited to see them all together, but I don't know that I would come away from the product like, oh my God, finally, everything's complete. In my I, I guess that's what I'm saying, yeah. Brian, is you're not the audience for okay. this kind yeah, of show. Enough, I wasn't enough, saying enough. you're not the audience for Friends. Got it. I was saying you're not Full the stop. audience for a reunion show. Yeah. There are nope. people who love reunion shows and then there are people who don't. You are 100% correct, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Roku's going to release a collection of 30 of the shows it acquired from Quibi, on its Roku channel starting May 20th. Uh, among them are Kevin Hart's Die Hard, Reno 911, and Dummy, 
Uh, and of course, I'll disclose that my wife is director of video production at Rotten Tomatoes, which just launched a 24-7 streaming channel called Rotten Tomatoes on the Roku channel. Uh, it's in the 300s. Go look at it. It's like MTV for movie scenes. Uh, anyway, I, 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 I'll, also I'll tell you this much. Uh, and, and this is me talking out of school. Like Tom is really excited about this. Like Tom sometimes like suggests things that are happening in Eileen's world. But Tom almost never texts me in the middle of the night saying, no, seriously, you have to go watch this right now. It's really freaking good, which is a thing you definitely did. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it's and it's uh, it's going to be that same channel is going to be coming to Peacock. It's going to be coming to Zumo uh, as well. Of course, they're both Comcast owned, like Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so uh, anyway, but yeah, Quibi, we you were all missing the Quibi shows, so now you can watch them without having to rotate your phone. <laughs> you just have to rotate your TV. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're not in turnstile mode either. Um, I don't know. A lot of people seem very excited on social media about this. I'm like, oh, well, okay. I mean, I I think what everybody is saying is finally I get to see those Quibi things because without like, having to use Quibi or, yeah, or, or, yeah. or without, you know, go, going behind the paywall or paying for him or whatever. Jason Schwartzman, Eric Roberts and Eric Andre have been added to the cast of the Righteous Gemstones as recurring characters in season two. Uh, that season is currently in production for nine episodes. Uh, you know what I love is there's a, a subreddit uh, uh, that I believe basically says the first time a sentence has ever been spoken. This is one of those times where this is the first time a sentence has ever been spoken and I couldn't be happier. I like like none of these words make any sense unless you've been watching the Righteous Gemstones and are familiar with all of these fantastic actors i could not be more thrilled for this hammond did you watch righteous gemstones or are you no i'm actually sitting here thinking i need to get in on this because i don't get it <laughs> good it's yeah, great it, it's on hbo max <laughs> okay well i'll i'll finish my head of the class watch through and then i'll watch that <laughs> and uh we've got a milestone for streaming shows here amazon's bosch will launch its seventh and final season on june 25th uh, it's been on for more than seven years cause they haven't put out a new season every year. Uh, but Bosch was one of the earliest hits on Amazon prime video. Uh, you know, back when alphas was one of Amazon's show, it, it goes, it goes back that far. Uh, an IMDB TV series spinoff is in the works as well. So if you really like that universe, you'll, you'll have more coming from the universe. But Brian, I, I, I think of, of alphas and that political show with John Goodman as the first gen of Amazon shows. And then like Bosch man in the high castle as like their, okay, now we have house of cards level stuff. And, and it, it was crazy to me that Bosch is still finally, you know, going off the air, but that it had been it kept around that long. Yeah. You know who outlived them all? Us. <laughs> <laughs> we were here before they came. We were here before them. We'll be, but we'll be, we'll be, be here long after, after they're gone. Gosh. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> Uh, a few other notes here. Amazon signed a multi-year deal to obtain global streaming rights for WNBA games on Prime Video, adding to more sports coming to Prime Video. Amazon's going to stream 16 regular season WNBA games, as well as the inaugural Commissioner's Cup Championship game. Dwayne Johnson's Jungle Cruise movie will premiere in theaters and on Disney Plus at the same time. It's one of those Disney Plus premiere access uh, things July 30th. Netflix announced it's going to make Enola Holmes 2, starring Millie Bobby Brown. Netflix also announced it will make a prequel 
of Bridgerton that will focus on Queen Charlotte, uh, along with younger versions of the Bridgerton characters. Blackish was renewed for its eighth and final season on MB or on ABC. Uh, La Casa de Papel, aka Money Heist, finished shooting its fifth and final season for Netflix. Peacock announced it's going to make another Psych movie, Psych Three. This is Gus, uh, and Netflix is developing an Ultraman animated movie uh, with an all new story. Uh, Hammond, I'll, I'll be curious to hear which of these jump out at you. Uh, for me, uh, I think Enola Holmes 2 was the smallest surprise because they very clearly were setting up a franchise that's based on a book franchise and all that stuff. However, I, I really fascinated with the opportunities for Jungle Cruise. If you've ever ridden the ride, it's basically a simple framework with a lot of chance for cheesy jokes uh, and, and a bunch of adventure sets of this uh, Jungle Cruise feels like a slam dunk, a Jumanji-style slam dunk, junk, dunk that I think they could mm. slam junk. Uh, uh, I, I think that, that uh, uh, will probably be very good. Jumongo Cruise. <laughs> Jumongo Cruise. I actually am looking forward to the Jungle Cruise, but I'm also I'm also uh, sad that Blackish is ending. I didn't realize it was ending. I like that show. I watched that show a lot. And uh, I'm actually really interested in the Ultraman animated because I watched that reboot that Netflix did and really enjoyed it because I used to watch that, uh, the Kaiju, when I was a kid growing up, the guys in the giant suits knocking down model buildings was how I spent my afternoons when I was in you know elementary and junior high. And it does look like the animation style has some really, really iconic, super bold imagery that I think will play really well. All right, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on. Hammond, what's something you've been watching? So I might be late to the party, but I've really been enjoying The Nevers on HBO Max. Uh, I started watching it while I was waiting for my daughter to get done with volleyball, and I am thoroughly enjoying that show. Uh, I guess the episode six that came out this today, yesterday, is the last of a break between the first mm. and second half of season one because of the pandemic shutdown timing. But I'm really enjoying it. It's it's kind of a cool show. I have been wanting to sample it and just haven't. Uh, it's on my list uh, of things I might want to get into. But I haven't watched it, Brian. I, I don't think you have either. Have you? Nope, 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 not yet. Uh, instead, uh, take the time. Take it's good. Take the time. It's good. Uh, instead, I got to lured in. We talk about how much we hate the fact that uh, Netflix does those shove them in your face trailers, but but danged if they don't tend to every so often pick one that was like, yeah, I'll, they wouldn't I'll do them if they never worked. Exactly yeah. right. Uh, so we ended up watching Life in Color with David Attenborough, and uh, it's only two episodes and a making of, but oh boy, man, the visuals are just gorgeous. And I know there's a whole team behind it. I know that there's writers behind it. I know David Attenborough just has to you know sit in his hut and then come out and say one line and then leave but they get some really sexy footage it's really incredible stuff I, I i liked it a lot it was really astonishing to be there with my daughters and have a new scene show up and to hear both of them in the same time go whoa i mean it was it was really fun i ended up watching the second one twice that's amazing uh and 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 even on streaming you know, the colors pop and everything. I think that would be some people's worry is like, oh, is it really going to be as good? Yeah. Uh, I have found my replacement for Terrace House. Uh, if if people don't know, the, the Japanese reality show Terrace House uh, was something that I enjoyed because of its calm nature compared to a lot of other reality shows. Uh, but it went off the air during the pandemic. Uh, and then 
it stayed off the air in part because of the suicide of one of the characters in the season that was interrupted. Uh, and it's unclear if it's going to come back. But my wife discovered Yoon's Kitchen, a Korean cooking reality show uh, that is available in the U.S. for season two on Vicky. There's a season one and a season three that aren't on Vicky. So I'm dying to try to figure out where to find them. But it stars Yoon Yo-jung, uh, who is an Oscar-winning actress. She won Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars for Minari this year. This series predates her becoming an Oscar-winning actress. The premise of Yoon's Kitchen is that Yoon and three other actors go to a foreign location and set up a pop-up restaurant and serve Korean food to people. They really run the restaurant. You see Yoon cooking. You see these like very famous in Korea actors serving tourists who really don't know anything about it, uh, who they are. Oh, that's and tasty. It's a, so it's a reality show about running a restaurant, like running a real restaurant and the difficulties and getting the orders straight. And how do you cook and how do you get all the, the right supplies and how do you deal with people's special requests? But it's all like, really famous Korean actors dealing with people who have no idea who they are. I, I love the dual layers of that, where it's like uh, you have people who are high status taking on low status positions, but, but I love the fact that it's not like a fake thing, like undercover boss or whatever, like, like very clearly they're, they're being treated like low status food employees uh, and they have to, Oh, this sounds awesome. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, the season that's on Vicky takes place in the Canary Islands, which is a Spanish territory. Uh, so most of the people speak Spanish. Uh, a lot of people speak English. Uh, every once in a while, they'll get like Korean visitors, and and then they can they can speak in Korean. So almost all of it's subtitled, but there is quite a bit of English uh, in it. Yoon speaks very good English, uh, as do most of of the other members of of the restaurant staff. And it's just got that really calm terrace house vibe, right? They're not losing it in the kitchen, and it's not Gordon Ramsay where they're where they're throwing things or anything. Like it's just got this very chill vibe. They have a very chill beat style uh, intro. And it's uh, it's just it's just really relaxing uh, to watch and delightful. And you learn about how to cook Korean food. Uh, we made some some kimchi pancakes this I weekend. Mean, it, it, it sounds a little bit like the conversational s- style of the movie Chef, where it's like uh, they did such a good job of representing what it's like. To it's like, hey man, we're just trying to get this out the, of our food truck. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's fantastic. So yeah, uh, if you've uh, got a chance uh, to check it out on Vicky, uh, you can you can I think you can watch it for free with ads. You might have to subscribe. I, I don't know where it is on their tiers, uh, but you can check it out on Vicky in the U.S. or elsewhere uh, around the country. All right. Bryce, I've been waiting for a month to say this. What should we be on the lookout for? Hey, I've got a a, a hand selected pick. I watched this while I was gone. Uh, uh, folks in our night attack circles might have heard this. It is the now Netflix original series. Why are you like this? Uh, people might know this because this is co-created and co-written by uh, Mark Bonanno from the Auntie Donna uh, com- sketch troupe. I think this is a very interesting kind of strange show. It's a live action comedy. Um, it is a sitcom. It's like a modern, the our, our modern single camera sitcom um, about these three friends who... I, I, I want people to watch the show and I want them to know that this is a cartoon. 
I mean, this is a live. Yes, it is live action and it's human people. But the main but, characters. But every, everybody is acting preposterously, I guess. Just these three main characters, Penny, Mia and Austin. They are cartoonish. They are cartoonishly um, online. They are, quote unquote, extremely online people. Um, this deals a lot with um, very modern cultural topics, race, sexuality, the modern workplace. And these three characters do a very interesting job of being cartoons of the the types of young people that are in society nowadays, right? Um, it is it is not presented as ironic, but as satirical is what so, I'm so, um, it is not it is not mentioning, oh, that this triggered me as a way to change the meaning of triggered, but as a means of satirizing satirizing the world not today because this is actually technically a three-year-old show but um satirizing the modern world and the way that we look at this without also having kind of the flip of irony on top of it if that makes sense does that make sense yeah, yeah wait, wait, so, so I, I i i don't think you were here when we had our love affair with toast of london but uh, toast of london is is farce brought to you know the modern age uh, this would be farce uh, uh, layered with a, a, a satire, like an and social commentary in there. Right. This is not a serialized show. You really shouldn't expect too much crossover between the episodes, which I think makes it. T I know I watched the first episode. I was like, OK, so she ends the episode being a, a, a financial dominatrix and the other woman definitely <laughs> like lost her job. But that that and so you need to know this is a this is not serialized. This is a cartoonish sort of thing. But I, I think it ends up being very easy to watch. And I think it ends up being um, a comedy about these types of issues and, and, and just the way that we speak nowadays um, without feeling um, uh, without feeling hacky or heavy handed or, or un unrelated unrelatable like the people who wrote this script probably do say some of these things and they're not like 60 year old dudes in a writer's room saying their kids love to say that they're triggered like it really it's not that's not what this the angle of this is. so i think it's really interesting it's called why are you like this there are only six episodes on netflix now i don't know if they're going to get a second series and this was back from 2018 um but i think it's pretty good if it's got some heat uh, I'm going to guess that this is a grown-up show, not one for my kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, if you've got something we should be on the lookout for, email us, please, cordkillers at gmail.com. Thank you. Hey, Brian. Yep. Uh, I moved my newsletter. What? What? Yeah. To a different prison it. cell. And now... Yeah, it was... It was on a provider that is meant for marketing emails, yeah. and I moved it to a provider meant for content, mm. and now it's pretty. Well, It is. Now, I've gotten one. Go it's, on. it's got pictures and descriptions of things and you can still just reply to it and I'll reply back to you and have a conversation with you. But if you want the new better looking, I would probably say better smelling free Tom newsletter. Uh, now's the chance to get in freetomnewsletter.com every Friday. This one went out Sunday because of the, the migration, but every Friday I'll, I'll just send you an email. Can, can, can we take 20 seconds to real quick peek behind the scenes of what, what provider did you move to? Is review. Oh, okay. 
Uh, all right, we'll talk about this later. Yeah, In the meantime, yeah. uh, of course, we want to remind you that all of the systems that we're running the show on were provided by our friends over at Doghouse Systems. Head on over to doghousesystems.com slash rogue, R-O-G-U-E, spell it right. Make sure to use promo code rogue at checkout. You'll get something extra for free. We will be allowed to keep these computers, so please do that. Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. The fan-voted MTV Movie and TV Awards returns Sunday. And uh, I don't know, just checking in. Oh, yep, look, streaming still dominating awards, no matter where they come from. Disney Plus's WandaVision won Best Show, Best Villain, Best Performance, and Best Fight. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier won Best Duo and Best Hero. Netflix's To All the Boys Always and Forever won Best Movie. Chadwick Boseman won for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. The Haunting of Bly Manor took home Best Frightened Performance, and Bridgerton got Breakthrough Performance Award. Also, Amazon's Coming to America netted an award for Leslie Jones' performance as Best Comedic Performance. Man, I guess I got some more to get caught up on. Uh, meanwhile, the broadcast network, the CW, aimed at a younger demographic, will go to a seven-day-a-week broadcast schedule for the first time by adding a two-hour Saturday night block starting October 2nd with a special airing of iHeartRadio Music Festival. Man, if you ain't never seen that, it's the weirdest thing. All Like, like all the heaviest hitters come in and do a 20-minute concert as they bend the knee to iHeartRadio, uh, a.k.a. Clear Channel, the most powerful voice in all of radio. <laughs> I, I just feel this is weird that, that CW which is aiming towards a market of almost entirely online people who don't even subscribe uh, to cable television is going to a seven day week broadcast schedule. Hammond, when's the last time you watched a CW show? Uh, let's see. I stopped watching the arrow season three and I haven't been back since. It's an interesting move. I don't know. Maybe they all have antennas. My, my daughter, my daughter watches it on uh, she watches it over a streaming service. I don't know. Is it the CW app? Probably the CW it... streaming app. CW yeah, yeah. Seed. Yeah. Yeah. Or Seed. They have they have CW cause... for themselves and Seed. They're two different apps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's she's got she's 16, so she's right in that sweet spot of CW ness. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think she cares about iHeartRadio. She's that's not her that's not her jam. So I don't not know. Yet. This is weird. Not till October second. Fubo TV <laughs> lost less money than Wall Street expected and added 43,000 subscribers last quarter, putting it up 303,000 subscribers year over year. That's up 105%. Uh, this despite the sports-oriented streaming service having no Turner networks during NCAA's March Madness. They had the CBS stuff, so they had some of the games, but not all of them. Man, it is weird to to go from three hundred million to three hundred thousand. That's a there, there's a big difference between the 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 haves and the have-nots in the streaming yeah, space. Is. That's that's really my only comment about that. <laughs> yeah, so, no, good for Fubo TV, but <laughs> relatively speaking, yeah, don't bring up Disney Plus subscribers around Fubo. Right. Gonna upset Sling TV has updated its iOS app to support AirPlay. Sling has an Apple TV app, but uh, but as more devices, especially TVs, support AirPlay, it means you can use Sling from an iPhone or iPad to cast streaming. I got to tell you, man, uh, this is getting more and more approachable to um, uh, uh, what's the word? The olds. Like my parents, uh, it's uh, uh, mm. getting easier and easier to to stream what you want. Well, yeah, when you because want. if it's not AirPlay to them, if it's you press that button and it shows up on your TV, and you don't have to understand how it works, yeah. you just know that yeah. it works. Yeah. Uh, here's a piece of conventional wisdom. Uh, it's been the conventional wisdom that if you want to compete with Amazon and Netflix in streaming, you need to get big, right? That's what we were just talking about with Fubo and Disney. 
Uh, that's why Disney bought Fox assets. That's why Viacom and CBS merged. It's why AT&T wants to merge Warner Media into Discovery. But Ampere Analysis issued a report saying that legacy media operators probably only need to grow to 70 to 80% of the size of Netflix to succeed. So yeah, maybe some of the consolidation makes sense, but they don't have to match Netflix on the amount of money being spent or even the number of subscribers. That's because those legacy media companies already own a huge pile of assets from their back catalogs that not only give them content to stream on their services, but intellectual property in which to develop new shows based on those loved franchises. And they have studios that can make and develop those franchises. Ampere estimates that 203 million subscribers to Peacock would replace NBC Universal's entire theatrical content sales and pay TV channel business. I mean, Netflix is a business with just the one channel. Ampere's pointing out like, you get Peacock to where Netflix is now and you don't really have to make anything for anything else. Uh, they estimate Viacom CBS would do the same with 140 million, 184 million subscribers to Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, dude. Uh, turns out you can make a lot of money being number two, number three, number four, number five, just as long as you keep your expenditures in check. And all of you guys benefit by number one, paving the way. I mean, it's not, uh, if I use the word parasitic, it sounds negative, but but I mean, it's almost like a, Kind of like that. Uh, it's a snowplow. It's, it's a snowplow. Yeah, it's like they're a remora. Plowing, they're plowing uh, the road. Yeah, right. It's like, it's like a remora attached to a shark moving through the waters. Yeah. yeah. But it will believe that IP abuse will lead to the eventual Peacock Plus uh, streaming show of the new Knight Rider. Oh. I mean, you're not, you're, you're joking, but. That isn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's how you excite me. Uh, Fox announced a blockchain-related marketplace launching with Dan Harmon's uh, Crapopolis animated series. Blockchain Creative Labs will sell characters and artwork as uh, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, uh, along with NFTs that offer exclusive show social experiences. Crapopolis comes to Fox this autumn. Uh, you know, we, we, we haven't really talked on this show about NFTs. I know you've talked about a lot on uh, DTNS. Uh, uh, the very shortest version of this. What, what, how, what yeah. do you explain? So, man, uh, if you know about Bitcoin, then you know that Bitcoin operates out there on something called the blockchain, which, which lets you distribute verification of who has what coins so that it's very difficult, if not near impossible, to change the record, right? That's why Bitcoin works. Because if I have five Bitcoins, man, I got a lot of money. But if let's pretend I had five Bitcoins, then it would be difficult for anyone to change that unless I sent them to someone. NFTs take advantage of that blockchain aspect of like, oh, okay, we can make this distributed system. It's very hard to alter. It's very hard to fake. And we can guarantee that you are what I say you are. So in this case, it's you are the owner of the Nyancat GIF. Uh, now, there's lots of other weaknesses to the system. It doesn't guarantee that I'm the seller, I'm the owner of the Nyancat gift. So there has to be other ways to do that. But if Fox is running this platform, you can say, okay, well, Fox owns Crapopolis, and therefore I trust that they are the owners of Crapopolis. And so when they say, I am now the official owner of the character art for Zeus in Crapopolis, then they have the right to say that and it'll be recorded on the blockchain and it'll be displayed in their official blockchain creative labs gallery. And I can point to it and I get the bragging rights that I'm the owner of the gift. It doesn't mean I'm the exclusive owner of the image or that I get the intellectual property rights. 
It's just a collectible. It's a digital collectible like a Funko Pop or a baseball card or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I suppose I understand. Uh, I'll try to keep it short. I, 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 and we've talked about this on other programs, but like I understand it as a, um, a, a essentially a certificate of authenticity for a real thing. For example, if I, you know, I cut off my mullet, I still have it. That's a real thing. It can sit in a lucite box here on campus here, and ownership of that mullet can change, you know, by NFTs or whatever. But the idea of just owning the image of or the video of my mullet getting cut is is that's a that's 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 so so hard for me to grasp. But then again, yeah. I don't understand garbage pail kids. Exactly, exactly. It's beanie babies. It's garbage pail kids, right? Uh, because it can be used for the authentic the authentication of like, I have the thing and I also have the NFT, uh, but it doesn't have to be. It's also being used for there because they're essentially contracts. Uh, Kings of Leon sold permanent front row seats as an NFT. Ooh. So See, they, that's they a real thing. It off and it's like, I'm the owner of this NFT. I can always get a front row seat at any Kings of Leon concert. And I assume that these exclusive social experiences will be along those lines. Yeah. All right. Now that tracks. I understand that. But it's a pretty hard sell, though, because there's no concerts. So it's a, still a virtual thing until we have concerts again. Yeah, it's called buying options. I mean, that part didn't. Now, now all of a sudden we're in the world of the stock market. I get this. <laughs> all right, let's get to the dispatches from the front. Hey, Tom, Brian, and friends watching a movie trailer. I noticed the classic coming only to theaters statement in the age of streaming. Does anybody actually believe that the movie will only play in theaters since the day of the VCR and home movie rental Did any movie ever appear only in theaters? Do they think they're fooling anybody into going to see the movie in the theater just in case it doesn't come out to rent or purchase later? Your friend, old boss, and soon to be boss again, I promise, uh, Finley. Uh, Finley, this makes me laugh because they... They they don't mean only ever in theaters. Right. They just mean when, March you know, 23rd, for a period of time only in theaters. You yeah, you won't get simultaneous. But but you're right. Uh, there's 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 room for interpretation there. I guess. Yeah. No. I I I, I think they're being careful about that. Now, having said that. Uh, you remember all of 2020, they insisted that Wonder Woman was going to be an only in theaters experience. And then they said backsies. So so if 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 Finley's larger yeah, point what, is that look what's happened to Jason Kalar now. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like uh, it, it, they said backsies once. Why? Why ever believe them again? Yeah. Well, that is it for Cord Killers. Hammond Chamberlain, a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so glad you guys pull the homeless guy off the corner and let me visit you guys on occasion. This has been <laughs> so much fun. Open invitation. Join us anytime you want. <laughs> if people want to keep up with what you're doing, where should they go? Uh, really, just follow me on Twitter at jhammonc or go to jhammonc.com. I work on a lot of different shows for a lot of different people. So it's easiest just to go there and kind of see what's on the top of the list right now. Go check it out, folks. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack. Also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll talk to you again next time. Hey, Tom Merritt. Yes, Brian Brushwood. Know who I love even more than my own children? Your other children? No, not my wife. I know what you're saying. I love our $5 patrons. These are the people that keep us live and independent. Thank you so much, $5 patrons. 
You know what? I love them more than not life itself, because then I'd be dead and I couldn't appreciate them, but really, really, really close. And I'm so thankful that they are here to make this show happen. Thank you so much to all of our $5 a month patrons. You guys are wizards. You're champions. You're heroes. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) 